0: Welcome to School of Movies. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows, yeah? (laughs) How do we do this one?
1: I'm not sure. (laughs) It's been
2: like
3: this the whole time, Deacon... On dishes, and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat.
2: Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. You're yeah, missing no, the I know. Point. Not the flat
3: meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires
2: in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension.
3: <laughs> Viago was an 18th-century dandy. Look, a ghost. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent,
2: but I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to be invited in. Coming to the bar, Four is water. Will
3: you invite
2: us in? We need some fresh blood. Hi, my name is Nick. I've been a vampire for two months. Wow! Ah, the <laughs> f- the hey, that was- don't nice swear? What are we? we- we're wheels, not wheels. When you're a vampire, you become very sexy. Ow! This is a
0: commissioned show on the 2014 New Zealand comedy horror Mockumentary, directed by and starring Thor Ragnarok's Taika Waititi. Uh, The premise is simple, vampires are real, this is a documentary about a bunch of them, and it follows nearly a year of their activity, their personality clashes, and difficulties as new vampires disrupt the old harmony, which was, let's face it, pretty awkward to begin with. We are going to go theme by theme and hopefully illuminate the various colourful characters along the way. So I'm going to begin with the theme, mundane immortality.
2: You can't go to the baller's Blade, It's a vampire hunter. Yeah, but vampires love Wesley Snipes, so it's no, all... it's inappropriate.
0: I mean, that's that's the mode with which this film uh, uh, takes us. It starts off right from the off, delivering us two camera monologues from. Vampires who, like, the first thing we see after the notification, that this is, uh, so there's a kind of a, a, a scary, sort of ominous, sort of, like, you know, Blair Witchy type, you know, this was a thing that was filmed in New Zealand, da 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 da, da when the, with this film crew. They were given crucifixes for their protection. Mm. We then get at uh, the hand snaking out of the coffin to turn off the annoying alarm clock. So you've got the juxtaposition of the gothic trappings of vampire existence with one of the most annoying things about existence, which is just being woken up by this loud beeping machine.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And I think... That
0: sums up the movie.
1: It does. And one of the tricks that Taika Waititi has up his sleeve for this, which I think he handles to genius levels, is the taking of standard ways of showing certain things in film and entertainment and then flipping them so that you get the thing that you're not supposed to get when people do that. And the the portraying this as a, a reality show, day-to-day documentary, and doing the opposite of what a real documentary would do, which would be to look for all of the interesting things and give the impression that these people's lives are incredibly dramatic. To try to
0: dramatise, yeah.
1: Exactly. So that's your, your standard reality show, is take all of the drama and amp it up. This is take something which is traditionally very dramatic overdramatic some might say and really tamp it down so it's really really boring <laughs> and he does it
0: is side note not boring but it's done in a way that makes like i say mundane the fantastical
1: absolutely and he his the aesthetic styles that he applies to each individual character they all draw on various different tropes of different vampire stories. <laughs> so you've got the, uh, you've got Vlad, who is clearly based on actual Dracula. Yeah. Uh, comes from the medieval era, well into torture, big on poking people. The and poker. a lot of the, the woodcuts and, and illustrations that are used to show his history, as mm. as he does with, as uh, Waititi does with all of them, are, I think some of them are actually from the Vlad Teepee's
0: yeah. Story. He's portrayed as this uh, uh, Romanian count from several hundred years ago Absolutely. who was uh, cruel and vicious to uh, people. Mm. But so it's it's. What kind of person would this man be after many years of seclusion, <laughs> humiliation, not actually being in charge of any Absolutely. castles or guards or, or armies yeah. and brought laid low, effectively?
1: Indeed. And there's loads of tiny little touches as well, like they mention the fact that he can turn himself into animals or he used to be able to turn himself <laughs> into animals. But now he never gets the faces right. And towards the end, he shows up with... Um, Gary Oldman's Dracula haircut.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Which it's in black, not white, but it's the same shape. Yeah. So there's all these little nods that are it's not important to pick up on them if you don't. You you know the general gist of what these vampires are. But it really underlines how there are many different takes on the vampire story. And I'll come back to that.
2: <laughs> now you are vampire. And it was Peter. And we're still friends today.
0: I do have a little thing here on the influences. I've got a bunch to list off. There's probably loads more, but there's also probably loads that I could infer that weren't direct influences. And, and I could say, well, how about this to Taika? And he goes, go, oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Okay, like, first and foremost, Interview with the Vampire is a really great example of the wages of immortality and and what a toll it takes on people who have to live together and get on each other's nerves Mm. and the Anne Rice books and uh, one of the films is uh, not without its own dry humour so effectively what they've done is taken that made it even more mundane Mm. and poked... The pomposity balloon with a stick.
1: Absolutely. I mean, what Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles really put the emphasis on for the most part is that isolation and the, the sheer weight of having to carry all of those years and having to stay in contact with and hang around with people that you might not really like just because they're still around and everyone else has died.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's one of the major themes of the film. We'll be back to that in a sec. Um, Let the right one in also occurred to me, especially with the whole like being very dependent on familiars and that being a modern day uh, take on the vampire story. Yeah.
1: They also have a callback to the idea of child vampires, mm-hmm. which is obviously on the in the Vampire Chronicles as well. But they have these two little girls who are running around Wellington, jumping on predators and eating them.
0: There's one bit of business which very directly references another vampire movie.
1: Two dinners.
2: Yum. Nick, do you like baschetti? Uh, yeah, usually like it. But it'd be better if it was warm. So this is my favorite trick. We present our guest with a plate of baschetti. And then I will say, why don't you eat some baschetti? Please, Nick, eat some baschetti. I didn't realize you enjoyed eating worms. Nick. No, no. They are <laughs> There's worms. These worms were around in my place. These worm-like, but not actually We stole that idea from the Lost Boys, but I put a nice twist on it. Nick, how does it feel to have a snake for a penis? Oh
4: <laughs>
2: Jackie. My penis has disappeared. There's a cobra stuck. No one's
1: snake. gonna mistake your penis for a cobra neck, okay, I believe me.
2: You know. <laughs> no, it is just a normal penis.
0: There's more parallels than that with the Lost Boys. They have the same kind of, you know, fucked up outcast family dynamic going on.
1: Yeah. They Phil. make allowances and accommodations for each other's Quirks, yeah. shall we say? But the the worms actually is a really good example of one of the things I'm coming to realise I love about Taika Waititi's style, which is that he does that Simpsons three level gag thing. Mm-hmm. There's the joke, then there's the return to the underlying meaning of the joke, and then there's something else which is a side of the joke which makes it even funnier, which is when they call back to it with the chips.
0: It doesn't work on it doesn't chips. Doesn't work
1: on chips because they don't look like worms already. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another one is Salem's Lot, which uh, was one of the uh, films that scared the shit out of me as a kid. There's a bit with a dead vampire boy, which just was like, okay, that's enough. And I went to bed after having seen that. And then the film scared me for years afterwards because I never knew what happened. And then I finally went back and it was like, oh, it's kind of mundane. That was the best bit. The head vampire, effectively Peter, uh, in this looks exactly like Barlow, the head vampire in uh, Salem's Lot, who himself looked like Nosferatu. Looks uh, like Nosferatu, Nosferatu. Yeah. So they've gone for that kind of rat-like, um, verminous um, version of... Uh, uh, and that kind of works for extremely old vampires. I was just going to say... Because they've lost their humanity. That's
1: right, that they put the emphasis on the fact that he's 8,000 years old and this is yeah. why he is the way he is.
0: Yeah. Which also makes him feel like sort of an old uncle or a grandpa who lives around the house and now is is so uh, old that he's lost touch with uh, the modern day and um, is probably going to come off as quite uh, abrasive and violent. If they Uh,
1: let him interact with anybody, which they generally don't.
0: And yet there's that kind of there's an odd sweetness to Peter. Like he he wants to be there and Mm -hmm. hang out with them, even though he never says anything. He doesn't shy away from, you know, group photos.
1: Mm. Well, the fact that he's the one who turned Deacon, Mm -hmm. he's also the one who turns Nick, that suggests he still feels that loneliness. He wants to add more people to the group. Mm. And then you have that...
0: So he's the head vampire in The Lost Boys as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But then you have that No
0: spoilers, folks.
1: Marvellous, dramatic... End to his story in that he's he effectively sacrifices himself to protect everybody upstairs.
0: Mm. Which, by the way, puts paid to that whole kill the head vampire and everything's all right. Yeah. Because when that actually happens, everything's just kind of down and miserable mm. as a result. And, and we start to miss Peter. There's a pair of specific movie series, one of which gets directly referenced when it comes to the rivalry between vampires and werewolves. Twilight, they mm-hmm. literally mention several times, they do. but also Underworld, yes, where they pitch what effectively amount to goth poets uh, against bodybuilder werewolves, which seems a little bit unfair.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, there's that mods and rockers facet to it, but yeah. the, the, it's, it's just the fact that this is New Zealand, so everybody's just a little bit crap.
0: Yeah, (laughs) a little bit crap is a good way.
1: (laughs) By the way, this is not me saying that people in New Zealand are a little bit crap. It's it's the same way that people in Britain are a little bit crap. Yeah,
0: it's that both humors of both uh, uh, nations tend to tilt towards understatement. That's why this feels more like Edgar Wright films like Shaun of the Dead than it does say American vampire comedies like Once Bitten, Vampire in Brooklyn, Dracula Dead, and Loving It. Uh, another other uh, mockumentaries that it uh, that takes a similar form to are uh, This is Spinal Tap, um, I suppose. Man Bites Dog, which is a German uh, documentary film about a crew who follow a, uh, a killer who talks to the uh, camera in a cheerful way about his methods, but they themselves are in danger as a result of, of hanging around with him. And I think they actually come across another film crew filming another killer, which is that way, like that, that's lampooning the detachment of documentaries mm. from going, hang on a second, what we're filming is actually amoral.
1: Yeah. And also the obsession that everybody has with overlapping killers without Really thinking, should Hmm. we maybe be doing something about this?
0: Exactly. It's amoral, but we're judging it like a nature documentary, and yet there's a whole nest of ethical vipers in there about you could have done something to stop innocent people getting hurt and killed. Um, And also The Office, which uh, I think, uh, starting with the British version and then going on to the American version, had kind of brought the documentary style to mainstream TV comedy, even though there were others beforehand which had done something similar. Mm. Uh, This one, The Office, really kind of kicked that off.
1: Yeah.
0: It also made me think of The Young Ones.
4: The vampire escape from the little person's room! I don't see what all the fuss is about! Vampires only attack virgins! (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not worried for myself, Viv. Uh, it's Rick and Neil I'm concerned for. What? Me? Ha! Rick? A virgin? Ha 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 ha, ha. Just like telling that to some of the foxy chicks who owe me, favours. <laughs> but well, if Rick's not a virgin, then I'm not either. Well, we'll soon be able to find out, won't we?
0: Also, in juxtaposing the mundane with the gothic, it establishes magic and peculiar and unusual and actual parameters to that magic. I made a list of the things that affect the vampires. Crucifixes, that totally works. Sunlight will definitely kill them, set them on fire. They must still be invited in. Was there any situation where they were stuck outside? Or was it, Yeah, they said they, they couldn't, couldn't go into, into, into clubs the club. unless the bouncers invite them. That's
1: right. And if <laughs> they, they, but then there's kind of a bit of a twist on that. In I think it's one of the deleted scenes. Vlad is arguing that they shouldn't pay to go in because if they pay it's like they're, just, they're not being invited, mm. they're just paying to go in. But it comes off like he just doesn't want to pay. <laughs> he wants to get in for free.
0: But that also seems like it might be one of their like, weirdly held, clung-to traditions, like, mm. we must drink virgin's blood. Yeah.
2: My, one of my favourite lines in the film is... I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. I think of it like this. If you're going to eat a sandwich... You would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had
0: fucked it. But like the whole drinking virgin's blood, it's an affectation. It is not required. They're not going to be less nourished if the, the the victim is not a virgin.
1: That's true. But in the days of uh, vampire as sex metaphor, virgin's blood would probably avoid all of those pesky little VDs that were going around everywhere.
3: Mm-hmm
0: which especially you know when vampires became extremely popular in the 80s there's a certain pursuit of purity there mm. but the vampires being seen as corruption and the disease itself you got all of this stuff folded in there mm. but we can talk about that on other vampire films oh, yes. because that's not really that's not this a territory that's, no
1: here it's just really funny that they're obsessed Picky. with the idea <laughs> of virgins
0: uh, they they don't get reflections, and so they tend to fool around with that. My favourite bit was the Pac-Man bit with mm-hmm. the uh, um, like tennis yeah. ball.
1: Although, very specifically, ghost. although they don't show up in mirrors, they do show up in photographs.
0: They have to, otherwise this f- documentary ain't working.
1: That's a good point. They had to. Ha- I,
0: I was... <laughs> pondering why that would would work, and then it's like, oh, because oh, we <laughs> have, otherwise we don't have a wandering film wandering
1: around everywhere.
0: Yeah, it would just make everything so much harder, and, and you lose a hell of a lot of the facial expressions if you can't see them. Mm. Um,
1: Speaking of the photos, that's one tiny little touch that really made me laugh. Mm-hmm. There's they do a photo montage of them through the years and and through the ages and when it gets to sort of the 70s 80s there's a shot of I think it's Vlad and he's got a soda stream it's Viago oh it's Viago because
0: it's Taika Waititi's inane grin
1: oh of course yeah but he's got a soda stream bottle full of blood
0: fizzy blood which suggests
1: he tried to make it fizzy (laughs)
0: And uh, the other thing that's a uh, uh, drawback to their existence is also possibly their greatest strength, which is immortality. Like Mm. it's at the top of their uh, things that they have, their powers, is immortality. It's also their greatest diminishment in that they are forced to endure immortality.
1: Mm. Silver Uh, as well. Yes. Oh, I
0: forgot about silver. Yep. Viago has a long lost love named Catherine, uh, who he keeps in a, a silver locket, but he can't keep it round his neck because it burns him. So what you have here is the memory of love causing him pain. About 60 years ago, Viago was mailed to New Zealand so that he could reunite with her. But his incompetent familiar sent him the wrong way, and by the time he finally got there, she was marrying a human. So Viago endured this pain and just kind of gotten on with his afterlife. Mm. Afterlife? Unlife?
1: I think either works. I gotta have
0: t- I think unlife works because he is undead.
1: True. True. Okay, that works. That's another sort of distinguishing characteristic of how they all approach their lives and the people who are in their lives. And it kind of underlines that whole they're very, very different thing. And it gives you that lovely dramatic moment of him explaining that he's he backed off and, he, you know, he could have gone in there and killed Catherine's new husband, but he decided against it and just wanted her to get on with her life and be happy.
0: Mm. Which makes us like him more as mm. well. Absolutely. There's, there's many reasons to dislike several characters in this. Mm. For a start, to keep the audience on side, most of them are really funny, so we will put up with a lot Tony Stark, because you make us laugh.
1: Absolutely. But, like Vlad is horrendous about his ex-girlfriend. He calls her the, the beast. beast. and clearly is still harboring significant resentment towards her, even though it was hundreds of years ago. Deacon was a literal Nazi.
0: So there is that, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that bit probably wouldn't... This is a 2014 film. Yeah. They wouldn't put that in now. I, and yeah. it's like, wow, 2014, five years ago at time of recording. Mm. That seems like a long time ago when you could make jokes about Nazis that weren't just like fucking Nazis back again somehow. But Deacon is a prick. He Let's, is. You know, he is. he's supposed to be. Uh, but um, there is a world of difference between prick and Nazi. Nazi is like prick times a thousand cubed. Other powers they have uh, uh, beyond immortality uh, are anti-gravity. I'm just going to call it. It's not mm-hmm. even flying. It's not
1: really flying. They can is
0: occupy it? the ceiling. Yeah. But even their anti-gravity is—it's uh, a little bit crap. It's—it's uh, kind of sheepish. It's used to uh, hoover those hard-to-reach areas uh, at the uh, top of the stairs, and it's—it's um, it's used to get into uh, like pissing contest fights that don't seem to really go anywhere. So it's not like the Matrix revolutions with uh, uh, Neo and Agent Smith. It's more just like two cats who can just kind of float <laughs> and get in each other's faces.
4: Yeah. The point is, Deacon, that
3: you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. But
2: what does I... it matter? You bring them over, you kill them. Mm. Vampires don't do dishes. Deacon. Oh. I will do my dishes! Good day, good day. This bullshit.
0: Hypnosis is used for several things. Actually, it's, it's used to torment in a sort of a pathetic, childish way. Like you know, they're wiling away the eons, uh, and they've got to make themselves laugh somehow. So they fuck with humans in that direction. But also for maintaining secrecy. So when they're talking about humans, not specifically behind their back, they make it behind their back by telling the humans that they can't hear them. Mm. So it's kind of like being able to. It, it, it emphasizes what prey—not lesser forms of life, but um, less powerful forms of life—humans are, and how vulnerable they are. Yeah. Which actually leads to quite a bit of the fear component in the film. There's an there is an underlying, lurking sense of not menace, but danger for regular humans mm-hmm. around these guys. As hilarious as they are, there is like rather than trying too hard to scare us, they go in the opposite direction. But then, when the chips are down people really do get hurt and torn to shreds. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: And when the victims get bitten, they die messily and horribly. There's, a, there's a, a lot of fairly shocking gore in this. There
1: is. There is a lot of blood in this film. A yeah.
0: lot of blood. So like, uh, most of it you could watch with kids, and then suddenly there's bits which are just like, whoa, 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 no. Definitely not. Mm. So it's, it's a viewer discretion. Because this is a documentary as well, there's a certain amount of performative vampirism going on. In that all the vampires seem to want you, the viewer, to think they're cool. Oh yes. You know some of them harder than others, but they they t- they tend to sort of show off and be like overly casual about certain things. But in doing so, they betray repeated elements of of character flaws and weakness and vanity and um, being. Socially awkward Viago in particular, played by Taika Waititi, whenever the camera's in his face and he doesn't, he wasn't busy speaking, has this sort of dopey big grin in a kind of a. Hmm. It's if you've ever taken a video camera through a party and tried to film that party, you'll get people who fling themselves in front of the video camera and go
1: ah
0: because they're drunk and possibly self conscious and. The barriers that would normally prevent them from doing something like that are now down. But you'll also get people who, as soon as they see the camera, some of them, like Stuart in this, will go like deer in headlights because they're feeling very much watched and they don't know how to react. Then there are some people who will, like Viago, just grin sheepishly in a kind of a, hey, we're having fun kind of way. It's extremely well observed. And if you look at a lot of the photos, Viago's doing something similar. Because mm-hmm. like, any time he has a picture in, like he, he wants to have fun. He wants to project a, a, a joyful spirit. Uh, but at the same time, he's nervous.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, Taika Waititi is an excellent actor in that regard, excellent comedically and subtly accomplished dramatically.
1: Mm, well, he, the way he infuses this with dramatic moments, even though they're not, they're not really dramatic, they're just moments of human drama mm. within the comedy of the film.
0: Whereas Deacon, who is the worst roommate, uh, he, he reminded me of Master Shake from uh, Aquatine Hunger oh, absolutely. Force. absolutely.
1: Like, absolutely. He's he the
0: is. selfish asshole who won't clean up after himself and yep. the one that you kind of just wish would either
1: grow up or fuck off.
4: Yes, absolutely. Someone want to tell me why my pool is full of hot dog chunks and dirty dishes? Oh, Carl, you didn't mess with it, did you? Because it's got to set up for a couple days with the battery.
3: The battery?
4: Yeah, you know, the one from your car.
2: I dumped some shampoo in there, too, but it's dog shampoo, so I don't know if it's going to work. But we're praying like
4: hell that it does. No, 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 no. I understand. I understand. I'm just going to go. I'll be back in a few. You, uh, you think that the gun store is still open? Carl, please. I'll take care of the mess. He means well. He's just a little... Well, I'd better not say. What? I'm a little what? Thank you, Drippy. You are very well-mannered and very nice. And you ought to take lessons from him. That's right. Yeah, so that's right. Very good! Thank you, friends. As of right now, I am now moving out. Right this instant. What well, go on, then? will out of here.
2: Well, hold on. I mean, I need to get my suitcases, and they don't exist yet. So Ooh, I, got I some packed shopping.
4: all your things, like you get out of here. This is a bag full of sand. That's what you eat.
0: Potentially because he's the youngest and, uh, you know, has always kind of acted up. Uh, but then like when he does his sexy dance you're reminded that at the beginning he's pointed out he was just a bread seller mm-hmm. so it's not like he didn't like vlad came from a position of royalty so mm-hmm. obviously deacons had to kind of construct his uh undead personality from what he's seen vampires are supposed to behave absolutely. like
1: absolutely he's very it's it's not so much that he idealizes being a vampire but he has very particular ideas about like i think when they have the flat meeting at the beginning he's the one who says vampires don't do dishes now what you mean, Deacon, is you don't want to do the dishes because <laughs> somebody's going to do the dishes.
0: Because you're a selfish prick. And mm. there's a uh, passive aggressiveness running throughout. Viago can be quite uh, passive aggressive in sort of like how he plies you to sort of like convince you to get stuff done. Mm. Um, he's he's never mean spirited with it, but he's just not particularly fantastic at confrontations either. Mm. So he's like a certain Deacon hasn't done the dishes. Uh, In this kind of wheedling. He's not at the level of people who leave notes, luckily. Uh, It seems like Vlad would be the one who would leave notes, but he's too lazy to leave notes as well. Yes,
1: indeed. Peter might leave a note because he can't talk.
0: True, yeah. Yeah. But also he probably can't write in... in he's 8,000 years old. That's true. Yeah. I think the last time he was compus mentis uh, was pre-language. Yeah. Which again makes him very much like Barlow in at least the 1979 miniseries of Salem's Lot. Which we actually saw after the recording of this. And it's not too bad. It's got a miserable ending that goes on way too long. But there's some moments of sustained tension by Tobey Hooper which rise it above its 1970s TV miniseries Trappings. But since I'm I'm talking about the magic right now, the most of the magic that they're party to seems kind of painful. Like I said, the uh, the silver thing before, uh, it, we we get to see them sort of in pain a lot when um, uh, a, a new vampire um, Nick. Uh, eats chips because he's kind of missing being human. He ends up vomiting blood spectacularly in an alleyway Mm. because he didn't know that effectively human food has become poison to him. And there's a lot more kind of suffering in this than there is miraculous, horrifying use of supernatural power, though there is still some of that.
1: Mm. Well, they they show Nick's transformation as well in all of its painful eye bleeding yeah. glory get
0: heaps of blood out my eyes so yeah. um
1: but every again because everything's really understated it is gross and terrifying and painful looking but you're still laughing
0: yeah well mainly because their reaction to it you know it is is afterwards and it's like well, yeah so that was rubbish mm. um yeah. as opposed to being in the immediate
1: but what it what it smacked off for me a little bit was kind of emphasizing that that branch of philosophy that looks at the blend of humans as part angel part animal Mm -hmm. and makes the point that you know what humans create art we organize society we wield tremendous power over everything else on our planet and also we have to go into a small room several times a day to shit
0: (laughs) otherwise we we shit our pants yes
1: absolutely (laughs) (laughs) It's that There's
0: only a certain amount of time you can deny your animal That's roots. right,
1: yeah. That, that no matter how much you romanticise and idealise the, the elements of what you are that you are fascinated by, fundamentally there are physical things that you cannot escape from. Hmm.
0: Breathing. In their case, we never really see that they have to breathe, but they definitely have to feed.
1: Yes, they do have to feed.
0: And they also need a roof over their heads. Hmm.
1: I think that's more a protection thing. Or, well, I suppose, yeah, protection from the sunlight.
0: Which, of course, means they are permanently reliant upon familiars. The other aspect of the uh, the painful use of magic is a diminishment of powers. Uh, Vlad Vladislav is 862 years old and was used to being a sorcerer back in the Middle Ages and now can't quite manage it. And so most of the magic that he uses tends to be um, t- tends to fall a little bit flat. Jermaine Clement, by the way, one of the funniest men walking the planet, has mm-hmm. this knack for understated, dry New Zealand delivery. You sucker! You better watch out, you
4: fool! Yay yeah, fool! Hey fool!
2: Sucker! You
4: foolish, foolish sucker!
2: You better what Hello, hello. Is Eric there, please? Speaking. Hey, sucker! Who is this? This is the piper, and I want to be pied, paid. Who's this? It's Jared. Who? Lowe. Who? Jared Lowe. We went to school together. Did we? Yes. I assume you got my letter. Uh, no. What letter? Invitation. To a party? To a fight. What fight? Our fight.
4: Oh. oh hold on, hold on. Alison, is there any mail for me? Are you, there's something here. It's a letter. Should I open it?
2: yes i'll call you back it's long
0: that was eagle versus shark an earlier film by taika watiti and probably best described as the kiwi napoleon dynamite we'll be talking about him in our moana podcast coming up soon folks as he plays a big crab now vladislav manacled himself to one vampire woman who he now refers to as the beast Uh, But it seems like the dissolution of their relationship also came with a dissolution of his powers. And now he feels like a shadow of his former self, though he would never admit it on camera Mm. because he's too proud.
1: Yeah, which kind of feels a little bit like somebody is still so hung up over his ex that he is effectively impotent.
0: Yeah, I put magical impotence there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is absolutely completely understandable. You can be left completely fucked up by uh, ab- destructive and abusive relationships, which it sounds like this definitely was, and very unhealthy. But it's, uh, the end result is that when he turns into a cat, you've got Jermaine Clement's face on a cat going... <laughs> Which is creepy and hilarious yes. at the same time, uh, but that's the, the the measure of his lack of complete control on uh, on his life and on his abilities.
2: When I was torturing, it was because I was in a lot of pain. I mean, obviously they were in a lot of pain, but I hurt here in my heart, whereas they were just in their neck,
4: chest, and genitals.
3: Gloria, Jesus.
0: Jackie, who we mentioned before, the uh, current familiar who um, would have taken over in the interim between the old German guy who is now very old, who sent uh, Viago the wrong way to New Zealand, is played very normal and very... um...
1: Deferential.
0: Deferential. How so?
1: Well, in the sense that she's putting herself in a position below the vampires, specifically Deacon. She's Deacon's familiar, whereas yeah. Philip was Viago's familiar. Yeah. But she is sort of elevating him to this position of master in her mind because that means she's going to get the trade-off. She's hmm. the Renfield
0: yeah. She's servile to the point where she can get what she needs, which mm. is this eternal life. She's fixated on the idea. Yeah. And then when she gets it at the end, she turns the tables and makes her husband her familiar. Mm. Uh, so this is clearly what she's... want. There's hints that she was bullied in school. And so she's been like, oh, I'll fucking show you someday. And so this is the thing she's told herself will improve her life. Now we see... Being immortal is no picnic, so there's kind of a whole sequel film for her, which we never get to see. Out of all of
1: them, though, she's probably the one who makes it look look the most glamorous.
0: Yeah. Because she romanticises it herself, because mm. she hasn't had to live with it. Like she's she, she's from the outside looking in to immortality. But
1: the position of familiar seems to be secretary and assistant. In yeah, fact,
0: PA, who she, she reminded Lynn, me most is from Lynn Alan Partridge. From Alan
1: Partridge. <laughs> exactly.
0: Again, though, she has had to effectively throw her uh, ethics and morals out the window in order to be this uh, familiar, because she's got to bring them victims who, in her own words, they have to be people that I don't really feel attached to, because you know they're going to be victims she's she's doing terrible things she's luring people to their deaths and they do die messily and horribly and they are also and this is quite unnecessary tormented before death with the whole previous worms thing and then they chase poor Nick through this labyrinthine house in one of the uh, only actually unsettlingly scary moments where we're supposed to really like these guys and then they fuck with him in order to um, scare the shit out of him before feeding and then it seems like when Peter catches him it was an accident
1: yeah it is unsettling and I know what you mean it does have that sort of slightly Blair Witch feel about it especially with the, the shaky cam
0: yeah the shaky cams running all over the house and there's this really, like...
4: Jackie! Sorry, Nick! What are you doing? Jackie!
0: (laughs) Weird sort of Armenian double-readed duduk flute music going on.
1: But that, the, the combination of the ridiculous music, which is not appropriate for a horror scene, and the fact that YTT uses another technique of, of flipping the way you're supposed to shoot a scene like that, which is to keep the focus on the person running away so that the yeah. audience participates in their terror and every now and again will flip the camera around. You know that thing about don't show the monster? Yeah. He keeps doing it on purpose and they're basically going, bleh! <laughs> and he just dispels all the tension it's brilliant
0: it's, it's that is a, a very tightly wound scene which sort of like I say yo-yos between uh, being like, actually this is a little bit scary to that's fucking hilarious with the cat with the face and then sort of ending in that jump scare it's it keeps you on the back foot in that you're you've gotten to like these guys but then you are reminded that they are dangerous mm. still and that they will kill people because they have to. They don't lament that, though there's a little bit of a flash when uh, Viago's sitting down with his uh, date, question mark, Mm. Uh, and she's talking about all the travel she wants to do, and there's this little kind of, huh, I guess she won't be doing any travel then. Oh, well. And then he sort of gets into it and then fucks the whole thing up, gets mm. the main artery and just this gore, festoons the... Like, he's put a few newspapers down. He has to know by now. That
1: <laughs> That's not going to It's going to
0: create a lot more mess. Yeah. But again, like there's this um, incompetence thing going on, which makes the whole thing very human.
1: Yeah. And there are occasional allusions to... That they do get the moral implications of what's going on, particularly when Stuart comes on the scene and Nick. Stuart
0: is a friend of Nick, who yeah. is uh, what, this guy who they chased around and then ends up getting away mm. um, after being caught because he got bitten by Peter and then turned into a vampire somehow in the Malay. And then went back to his home, home, turned into a vampire and came back and said, can we do anything about these teeth and all the flying and all that?
1: Mm. No, he likes it. He likes the fact that he can fly. He likes the fact that he can
0: fly until he realises that eating chips will make him vomit vomit, blood.
1: Which is not too... Thrilled with. But but because Nick is such a new vampire, I suppose that's why the 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 moral element and the sympathy element comes through. Nick has a friend called Stuart who they agree they're not going to hurt because they're pals mm. and he asks the other guys not to turn Stu because he's a vegetarian and would hate the idea of having to eat other creatures to live.
0: Which is ironic considering what happens to Stu at the end. Well, yes. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, um, a fish of friends not food thing going on here from uh, Finding Nemo. Mm. But uh, Stuart seems to be kind of oblivious to everything going on. Like, he'll hang around... Um, not really grasping the greater concepts at work here. He's, mm-hmm. I think uh, Stuart may um, possessed of the kind of mindset where he can just sort of apply his focus only to things that directly interest him. He shows them all the new tech mm-hmm. that uh, they've been missing out on, and so they're like, oh, so eBay, hence the... Just
4: leave me to do my dark bidding on the Internet.
3: What are you bidding
0: on? I'm bidding on a table... He's able to just focus on this is kind of what I do for a living and kind of be oblivious to, to everything dark going on around
1: him. Yeah, you do get the impression sometimes that I know what you said about the they use the hypnosis to convince humans not to see the things that would give them away. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if part of that may simply be that this is New Zealand and people really sweep things under the carpet if mm. they're out of place. Again, that's it's a very British quality as well. But when the when the police come round at the end because there's been a report of a disturbance and viago says to them you will not see anything unusual in this house and she's like yeah well we certainly hope not and it's almost like they're they're not seeing this weird shit because they don't want to. It's mm. it's not necessarily because the hypnosis is keeping it from them.
0: But back to Jackie, actually, she does mention at one point that they've. She's getting more and more frustrated at having not been turned. She's scrubbing blood off floors night of well morning after morning because mm. they can't. They go to sleep while she does all the cleaning. Um, and she says that it's a um, that if she had a cock, she'd have been made into a vampire ages ago. So there, it, she does throw shade on their what she'd refer. Refers to as a uh, homoerotic dick biting club, which (laughs) she's not wrong. It's it's very like it's not masculine in the house because they're so kind of pathetic as well. Like it's it's not masculine in the way that masculinity likes to present itself. No, it's
1: it's almost like the incel thing, they're, they're kind of clustered together to protect themselves from the outside. That it's makes them sound way worse than they actually it. are. Although yeah, they no, are no, it's...
0: mass, mass murderers, it yeah. is for biological reasons.
1: Mm. They're not they're not like really horrible people, but they are
0: insular. Not only is it not so much a not, no girls club, but it feels like girls would not be at home there mm. and would probably start changing things in a way that would make several of them moan. Mm.
1: Yeah, Probably start cleaning things. In a way that would make several of them.
0: Because they live in fucking squalor. Well, exactly. Now, what we're dealing with here is, of course, gendered stereotypes. And I've seen both males and females with incredibly messy houses. But I've never crossed paths with a woman who was afraid of getting a boyfriend in case he made her clean up. I've met plenty of men like that.
1: Although I say that, the date that Viago brings home doesn't seem to mind the mess much. Hmm. Or comment when he starts putting newspapers down round her.
0: Yeah again but well, there's an obliviousness about the humans uh, yeah. as to the pre- predators in their midst there's also um peripheral horror going on certain things are happening on the sides and in, the, in behind the scenes and just off camera and just in the distance during certain moments of the film which are if you were close up and seeing them from that particular subject's point of view absolutely terrifying but because it's off to the side and our subjects are all effectively immortal mm. they are just like part of vampire life there's almost a nature documentary element to it, in that, like, you know, predators are stalking prey, and the documentary crew are simply accounting for all these events.
1: Exactly. Well, if you. There's no particular narrative put to nature documentaries for the most part and you can observe a scene where a lion is chasing a wildebeest from the perspective of the lion in which case that's just food or the perspective of the wildebeest in which case this is the terrifying Mm. final few moments of your life
0: but the lack of uh, uh, female energy around their living uh, place has made it very they are not particularly emotionally complex they're not able to self-examine in any particular depth and uh, when there's something wrong, it doesn't really get dealt with. And you get that years upon years. So while this does play with stereotypes, the idea that women are more sensitive than emotionally than men uh, and men are happy to just let things lie and sweep shit under the carpet it does paint the picture of what men living together for a very long time and growing sort of like grudgingly accepting of the shortcomings and not really wanting to change much Mm. will result in.
1: Yeah, although it's worth noting that Jackie doesn't seem particularly keen to uh, push any of that until she gets frustrated with the fact that uh, Deacon won't turn Mm. her.
0: Yeah, she's been paying her way, effectively, working, you know, singing for her supper, working for her release, Mm. which actually is is kind of a a a traditional, uh, in familiar vampire relationships, there is a certain, like, you know, I am serving you but i'm also kind of using you so that i can get what i want mm, about that yeah.
1: although a little bit of the question mark for jackie for me and i actually would be really interested in a sequel that's her story is there is that,
0: a tv show but we are not bringing that no, in for the for this uh, review but
1: she's been pushing for this uh, immortalization and yet when she finally gets it she doesn't change anything her, her living circumstances remain the same she, she stays, stays with, with her, with her husband, husband they have kids yeah
0: well, the only thing that changes is uh, she's in charge and you are my slave, so...
1: Mm. So it, it kind of is like, well, is that the only thing you wanted to change, Jackie? Because you could probably have done that without having to be immortal.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> like I said, I think she's built up in her mind what being a vampire will do for her life.
1: Yeah. And again, that's that's kind of part of the theme of you, you can act this way because you're a vampire... Which leads on to, you can only act this way because Mm. you're a vampire.
0: Speaking of long-standing vampire traditions, when they go to the... What's the ball called? The The
1: Unholy Masquerade. The
0: Unholy Masquerade. Which is another
1: one of the obvious influences that I thought was there.
0: (laughs) So I'm not particularly well-versed in a... Is it a role-playing game it called is
1: a role-playing Vampire
0: the Masquerade? Yes. Furnish us with a little flavour here. Well,
1: okay, it's a long time since I've been into it, and I was only ever peripherally into it. But Vampire the Masquerade was basically like Dungeons & Dragons,
4: mm-hmm.
1: but vampires. And the Masquerade was effectively the vampire's... Matrix. It was the this this sort of illusion that they set up so that humans would never find out who they are. Mm. But underneath the surface, there so was what
0: Udo Kier said in Blade: "Our livelihood these... relies upon our ability to blend in."
1: Exactly. And there's all these factions.
0: So Blade's where... saying, "The world you live in is just a sugar coated topping." Mm. Yes. Yes. So that. the masquerade is what lies beneath that or is, is on top of that the to prevent is, humans is the, from yeah, seeing. It's okay. the shell. Cool.
1: But the So
0: I thought it was always just like you're always at a party. <laughs>
1: <Not> quite. <laughs> Although they are some of them. But the point is that when you start playing this game you kind of you choose what kind of vampire you want to be. So there's all this lore mm-hmm. about where vampires originally came from and that was the part of it that I was interested in. Uh-huh. But there's like there's punk vampires, there's bohemian vampires, there's political vampires, there's Um, aristocratic vampires who go around in frilly shirts all the time and and just, you know, it's like, how do you people even survive?
0: And all of these appear to be in What We Do in the Shadows.
1: Exactly. And that, more than anything, is what makes me think he knows about that.
0: Yeah. To a degree, the whole film could just be a very dedicated game of of, uh, Vampire the Masquerade.
1: Uh, a, A LARP. Masquerade yeah. game. But the, the point being that if you look beneath the surface, it doesn't matter what faction you belong to, these guys are all dicks in one way or another. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Beast. The darkest part of my mind is reserved for the beast. If I could tell you a thing or two about the beast. You should pray that you never have to
2: see the beast. This one is called the beast. And I said, get your hands off my balls, beast. He may have told you some stories about his great battle with the beast. Yeah, oh, I fought the beast on a cliff. Oh, I fought the beast in a swamp.
3: Oh, then one time I fought the beast in the toilets of a nightclub.
2: Difficult battle. I hope you never see the beast the beast
0: so when they go to the uh, uh, the unholy masquerade ball there's uh, there's that tension again because Nick the guy who gets turned accidentally and ends up hanging out with them for a while uh, blabs about the fact that he's a vampire to a, a person he knows who turns out to be a vampire hunter breaks into their house And burns Peter alive with sunlight. So, this 8,000 year old vampire's running around screaming and on fire, and then when he dies, everyone is extremely sad. And Nick gets expelled from the coven. Is it a coven? What is it? I don't
1: think they ever refer to it as a coven, but he gets kicked out the flat.
0: (laughs) What is a group of vampires called, a collective term? A gaggle?
1: Well, they're not a pack, are they? That's werewolves. I suppose I've, I've seen coven used as a term, but it's not used in this film.
0: Coven has been used as a collective noun for vampires, possibly based on the Wiccan usage. An alternative collection, collective noun is a house of vampires. Which
1: is what they have.
0: Well, this is a house of vampires, but uh, we, we, we're more of a coven in the house. So it's a house with a house in it. So, Nick goes around causing actually quite a few problems while he's been expelled because he has no guidance. So, he ends up um, biting Jackie at, at her request, turning her into a vampire, which makes her year. Mm-hmm. But he also um, attends this Vampire the Masquerade masquerade with his mate Stuart and just brings a human along as a plus one, which, because it didn't specify on the uh, uh, invitations not to bring any humans along, because for a vampire, it should be bloody obvious. Mm. And this again is where the because uh, it's it's a it's a gathering of witches and apparently zombies. So you have got this guy just chatting away, and he's a zombie, but he's got this really gaunt kind of like um, like head down. Like he's actually really scary mm. when he starts to sort of like sniff at uh, Stuart and realize that he's actually a human, and he asks if he's pre deceased. So suddenly everything in this room wants to kill and eat Stuart. And they have to kind of defend him and and again it starts getting quite edgy, and then the beast has turned up and she's uh, this has prevented Vlad from coming because he's filled with anxiety and expresses this by growing incredibly old, which again relates back to Dracula when he's feeling down, he grows very old. Mm. But then he overcomes his misgivings and comes to the party in full, like, Jareth costume with uh, the sort of hook build mask to compliment. And the Beast doesn't know him immediately and has to be reminded, thinks he might be someone else. So all of this stuff that matters to him so much definitely doesn't matter that much to her.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: She's not been dwelling on him. She's been getting on with her life and living in a, a fairly self-centered
2: existence, from the looks of
0: it.
1: Come on, Stu. Tell us what you do. Come Tell them what
2: Stu. you do, Stu. Uh, hi, my name is Stu. I'm, I work in
1: IT. I can't hear.
0: Louder. Stu,
3: they can't hear you.
2: They cannot
0: hear you. Hi, my name's Stu. I'm a software analyst. I work for a geographic information systems company. Uh, Sorry, wo- what is it? I work for a company that does. Um, Basically, we take, like, business requirements from organisations and we um, analyse those requirements and then we build software
2: to fit those requirements.
4: Here's a virgin. Here's a virgin. I can smell a virgin at a thousand pieces.
2: Go on then. Go a thousand pieces, there and smell yourself. I can't
1: wait
0: anymore. So, again, you've got these kind of numpty vampires sort of standing up for uh, for a human there. And, effectively, they're standing against all the bylaws of vampire... Customs, But we've now spent so much time with these guys, and we can see that Stuart's made their lives better by introducing them to uh, basic computer skills, finding stuff on Google, mobile phones and being able to text each other, being able to find people, which comes in very useful for Viago, and... Just generally kind of getting a little bit more back in touch with the world. It's quite subtle, Mm. but Peter's kind of opened doors for them. So there's a good reason why they would want to stand up for him. He's not just... They're starting to see him as not just feeding stock, but something... In effect, their perception of what human beings are changes, thanks to Stuart. So it's kind of a small victory of character development for all of them, that they stand between... A crowd of predators and this human being who has no idea really what's going on. Hmm. It's worth mentioning, by the way, that the uh, cop scene where the cops are snooping around their house, the fact that they're New Zealand cops makes it a culture shock and very different from American cops snooping around your house. Hmm. This might uh, feel really alienating for American audiences. Like, how are these guys not whipping out their sidearms and pointing them at the vampires at the first sniff of trouble? the as you said earlier that they're not looking for trouble they are actively trying to keep the peace mm. and that's something peculiar to british police as well they tend to be very sort of like no nonsense but at the same time british police tend to get nervous when they go for their guns not go for their guns when they're nervous
1: well yeah well for a start they don't have guns to go for yeah if british police want guns they have to call the gun squad
0: yeah if they have guns of any kind then they've got like a, a tag on them that they've got to break the tag to actually uh, take out and they've got to account- count for every bullet and New Zealand police don't have anywhere near as much horror to uh, deal with on a daily basis as say someone in Detroit or Los Angeles Uh, but they also as a result don't create horror every day like a cop in Detroit or Los Angeles or wherever.
1: There's a lot of emphasis on de-escalation.
0: Yeah Uh, which is funny to watch but at the same time it kind of reminds you what peace officers are for. Ultimately, modern-day American police are being nudged closer and closer to soldiers.
4: That's right. And this has happened on such a scale that it's enabled small towns like Keene, New Hampshire to apply for a Bearcat, a military-grade armoured personnel truck, which they needed because, as their application argued, the terrorism threat is far-reaching and often unforeseen. (laughs) And cited as a possible target, their annual pumpkin festival. (laughs) Specifically, specifically, this pumpkin festival, <laughs> which is now being protected by this. And good luck easily outmaneuvering that, teenagers with baseball bats. <laughs> the police are not soldiers. So why in this photo from Ferguson are they wearing fucking camo? They are northwest of St. Louis, not northwest of the Amazon. It- <laughs> If they want to blend in with their surroundings, they should be dressed as a dollar store. And... (laughs) and also... Also... Look, look in the photo where their guns are pointed. If you were actually in the military, you would know that you are not supposed to do that.
3: In the military, we're trained on something called escalation of force, uh, which basically means the only time that you're really going to point a weapon directly at someone is when you're ready to pull the trigger. And instead of that, we've seen in Ferguson that uh, police are just wandering around uh, with their weapons up at all times, pointing them at, at people that obviously didn't pose a threat.
4: Well, well, they don't currently pose a threat, but, you know, it's really all about what they might do. Now, they could, for instance, join the police, be given a gun they're not trained to use properly, and then wander around pointing it at people. That would be <laughs> f***ing terrifying. <laughs> the point is... The point here is, The point is... If you are a cop in the United States, you should dress for the job you have not the job you want because if you have all this equipment it's going to go to your head which means that you've then got people on the street who feel like they're on the edge of
1: a war all the time
0: yeah which is the opposite of de-escalation I found out something I hadn't expected while uh, editing this there was a short-lived New Zealand TV show called Wellington Paranormal starring these two cops as a spin-off of what we do in the shadows
1: are you (laughs) alright I think that's a no. I mean, yeah, this is very unusual. I mean, think it's a lot to come out of quite a small person. I think she's clearly quite unwell. There will be buckets
3: of blood and a thousand of fire! Uh.
4: Is She's scaring me, mm. O'Leary. Can you do your back, God?
1: Stop that. It's a bit scary.
4: So we're kind of like Mulder and Scully. Um, she's like Scully because she's analytical, she's got the brains, and, uh, and I'm a man with brown hair.
0: Speaking of gang warfare, it's uh, after the party that they meet for the second time, the swearwolves, or rather the werewolves, not, not swearwolves. swear-wolves. Led by Reese Darby, who was the uh, agent in Flight of the Concords, starring Joanne Clement, who is just one of those naturally funny guys. You might have seen him in uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. He was like, welcome to Jumanji, guy. Um, he has a chirpy, semi-oblivious charm about him. It, he's very non-threatening with his, like, slightly high-pitched voice and uh, demeanor. And so making him the alpha of this pack of werewolves is... To a degree, ridiculous, but at the same time characterises them as being werewolves who aren't too keen on escalation.
1: Mm. He feels a little bit like Martin Freeman.
0: Yeah, I get that.
2: Uh, on Wednesdays, they do like a fair factor competition. You can win like T-shirts and um, hats oh, yeah. and spot prizes. I can smell like, werewolves. We're just about to walk past you're a down werewolves, down. so some shit might go down. Look out, guys. Don't catch fleas. What's that, mate? Sorry, what? Keep going, keep walking, what? keep we heard walking. What?
3: We've got sensitive hearing. Have you? Yeah. What are
2: you filming? It's on, a guys. music video, is it? We don't want any trouble. Well, then, I do. Why did you, you, why did you uh, start have it? Have I got your hackles up, huh? That's why heckle. don't you go smell your own crotches, huh? On, what are you
4: talking about? We don't smell our own crotches. We smell each other's crotches and it's a form of greeting. You're on camera, yeah. mate. Don't, don't do what? it. What? It's okay, because I know this guy. It's Count Fagula. <laughs> hey, 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 don't swear! Sorry, they—they they yeah, were, we? we're werewolves, we're not swear. What are we? Werewolves, not swear. No, it's, it's, it's a, a very
3: offensive word to call people.
2: To well, unless well, you're talking about a bundle of sticks. Chase no, this bundle of sticks. Werewolves. Don't get it. It's not real, Nathan. It's not real. He's just going to take off his gloves. All right. Sticks. Oh, oh, shit. oh, shit, man, what the oh. fuck you do that for? Hey, that was don't swear, we're gonna lose again. it, we're gonna lose it. Whoa, 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 hey, calm down. Calm down down. Oh,
0: Should've
3: stuck on my oh. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh,
2: Hey, 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 oh, up, do the breathing, hey, do
3: the breathing. Hey. Do the breathing. Hey. Do the breathing. Hey. Count to 10, mate. Count mate. Come it. on. Hold it. Count to 10, Human again.
4: 10. It's all right, it's not full moon. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy your night. Shame yourselves, man. Great, we didn't want this to happen. <laughs> Come on, guys. Hey, say hey. it. Don't spray it, bitch. Left it. Why are you swearing all the time? Well, he rivalled right
2: me. No. Well, actually
3: werewolves. Yeah. Are you okay, Stewart?
0: The use of the gay slur, f-bomb, there is the toxic shit that the werewolves need to get over. And again, they have even more of a fish or friends, not food uh, mentality about them because the werewolves are, are almost like alcoholics. Like there is a, uh, a base desire there to just go wild mm. and they have to be constantly in control of it. Yeah. But it's not done in a melodramatic way. It's done in a very sort of male support group way.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: In the same way that the the vampires display some elements of toxic masculinity in a kind of pathetic, not especially threatening way until you realize they are actually feeding on people. The werewolves themselves are, have got kind of a an understanding that they're in a growth process and that they're in a healing process and that they're uh, constantly trying to keep a lid on things. So it's about minimizing those aggressive impulses. Yeah,
1: and in both cases from the fact that you have Nick coming into the group and showing them a different way of doing things and and bringing Stew, who gives them another way to interact with the world that they didn't have before. You then have that reflected in the werewolves group. So effectively what we're looking at here is toxic vampirism and toxic lycanthropy and an examination of how there are, in fact, non-toxic ways mm. of doing those things. Yeah. Or well, certainly less toxic.
0: And as we said regarding the unholy masquerade, in general vampire terms, these guys are really progressive. Mm. Like, relative to all of these old country types who have a uh, uh, a kind of, you know, this is how we do things way, even if they are still somewhat affable in that New Zealand sense. they the, the Finding out they got a human among them, they consider that to be kind of an abomination. And at the same time, like, we are entitled to eat and kill this human. And again, when the swearwolves, sorry, werewolves, not swearwolves, start to turn and their animal instincts do kick in, it's... Kind of fucking frightening. And although the the vampires could and should fly away at that point, it's like they've got cameramen around, and uh, they've got Stu, of course, who uh, ends up getting bit and uh, uh, attacked by a bunch of werewolves. And there's this uh, kind of feeling that if the werewolves come out, then the vampires don't stand a chance, which is roughly how Underworld pitched it. Yes. You guys need guns, otherwise you're fucked. But, like I said, that, that fear is both undermined by the laughter and made a little more powerful because as with Shaun of the Dead, which we will be doing in the Cornetto trilogy coming very soon, folks, when you're laughing at a horror, you want the laughter to continue. And when things start going bad and we've seen Peter be horribly killed by vampire hunters, that threat that the comedy will be taken away becomes more real and palpable and the threat that characters we like will be taken away and the comedy will be lessened and there'll be more pathos. It makes things more real. This is why the contention that Marvel films are founded entirely on pathos. Nothing really means anything because everyone's all Jokey McJokerson all the time. Yeah, everyone's all Jokey McJokerson all the time. And then when you take a character away, it's fucking tragic because they can't be part of that gang anymore, Spider-Man.
1: And Part of the point of the humour is because everything is so terrible.
0: And it is not unconnected to this, seeing as Taika Waititi directed Thor Ragnarok, and though there are...
1: Similar sense of humour,
0: some moments, <laughs> somehow. There are some moments in Ragnarok where, you know, in retrospect, he did overstep the mark with that whole...
1: The damage is not too bad.
3: As long as the foundations are still strong, we can rebuild this place. It will become a haven for all peoples and aliens of the universe. Now those foundations are gone. Sorry.
0: If you remove only what Cork says there and just have the rest of the scene play out as normal with the same music and the same shots, it's more powerful. It's one of the only times why TT undermined the drama just a smidge too much. But the general feeling of laughing while things are kind of terrible is that you don't want that laughter to stop and you don't want to like like not just laughing maniacally but just laughing in a way that's life-affirming and can fight through the cloud because one of the greater aspects of what we do in the shadows and it's kind of in the background is depression and isolation it's not explored because none of the characters are emotionally equipped enough to discuss mm. their loneliness. Yeah. But they're lonely as fuck and isolated from a humanity that is passing by them so fast, especially considering the movements of the 20th century. The Deacon's still pissed over the Nazis losing, and he's like, ''Well, I backed the wrong horse on that one, obviously.'' And it happened so long ago that pretty much everyone involved with that conflict is now dead, Mm -hmm. and we've got new Nazis to deal with. But they are in the outskirts, they're in the periphery, they're out there in the dark, and they get to have kind of a tourist lifestyle, of sort of wandering in and out of Wellington and sort of pretending to be humans, going to nightclubs, and ostensibly to feed, but in reality, just to have something to do and people people to meet. If it was just about the feeding, they'd just get Jackie to work overtime, bringing bringing them more more guests, more snacks. And it's notable that uh, Deacon and Nick clashed when Nick turned up and was the new guy, thus unseating Deacon from being the youngest and newest and the one who's allowed to misbehave. Suddenly, Deacon's saddled with a whole bunch of, you know, technically you have to be actually a bit more responsible. And he overreacts uh, when... uh, um, uh, Nick's freaking out over the toll that becoming a vampire is taking on him and what it's taking away.
2: It's true mm-hmm. how's your worms? What? You're eating worms. Can you do that shit when you turn into worms? No, it-, it doesn't work on chips. and they works on things that already look like worms. Maybe noodles? Do you want some noodles? Well, he knows noodles. now. Oh no, I wouldn't eat that. Why? The April chip. I can't eat solids now, great.
4: But well, I can't sunbathe. I can't watch daytime TV. I can if I oh, yeah, I guess I could. More, more than anything, it's just the chips. It's my favourite food, I can't eat chips. It's, I don't it's just I hate I say I'm over being a vampire, it's shit. So don't don't believe the hype.
0: So when Nick's friend Stuart, their friend Stuart, is apparently killed, Deacon and Nick sitting together and just sort of talking about death, not in a lengthy uh, before sunrise kind of philosophical sense, but just in a kind of, death, what does it all mean? One minute you're attaching crackers to your face, and next you are eaten by ducks. But it's an indicator that there are little steps being made forwards with all of them. So Deacon becomes less of an arrogant, you know, I'm the youngest, so therefore I get to do whatever I want prick. Mm. And Vladislav manages to move a little bit beyond his uh, fear and obsession with the beast. Mm. Because he is afraid of her. When yes. he lies in his coffin, freaking out about the idea, I can't go to this party, the beast will be there. He's afraid of her. Mm. And it's almost like him finding out that she doesn't remember him all that much is kind of lets him off the hook somewhat because yeah. he seems to sort of get over that a, a little, little bit. bit yeah. And Viago's move forwards is to go back to this woman that he was besotted with, but then let have her life. I mean, that like, him letting her have her life... That's a huge movement for a vampire to just let go in that way. That's a wonderful, sweet moment. We only get to hear about it. Mm. But then we get to see him come back to her when she's an old lady. And she's like, I was just doing nothing. And, like, she's had her life. She's Mm. had her husband. She's had her love. She's probably had lots of children. and They've all gone off elsewhere. And so she's just, like, whiling away the last hours uh, of her existence. And she's kind of chuffed to be a vampire. And there's this really kind of sweet a chord between the two of them, even though it also does feel like Taika Waititi's brought his granny on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) At the age difference, uh, they think, what's this 96-year-old lady doing with a guy four times her age? And, you know, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. No, they can call me cradle snatcher. Who cares? I decide to bite her, and we're going to be together forever. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, technically, uh, Viago's way of moving forward is to get over this pining and actually go out and get that companionship he's clearly been craving for decades now and yeah, was crazy. clearly craving for centuries before then.
1: Mm. And particularly the fact that it's the the same companionship yeah. that he was craving all that time.
0: Although the... <laughs> There are many ways to interpret his little eyebrow raise at the end, although I think it's roughly akin to, they call me Vlad, the poker, and then a little eyebrow raise there, which suggests that there is probably going to be a hefty physical component to their relationship. And we also know vampires can shag, because Vladislav does it a lot, Mm -hmm. somehow. We never see those girls again, by the way. Mm. It's almost like they should be hanging around the house talking to Vlad, but uh, clearly not much for conversation. And we also know they can wank because uh, when Viago retires to his coffin with a um, large printed version of the photo around his locket, which is a neat way of doing it, on the inside of his coffin there's a kind of a bonking sound from within, which I hadn't noticed before and Sharon went, ow, when she (laughs) heard it. But yeah, that's different to the Vampire Chronicles where immediately they can't shag and it's, it's like... Feeding becomes the new version of sex for them. Yeah, we can talk about that if we ever cover an interview with a vampire, and I feel like we kind of have to, although it now feels silly to do it after this one. Mm. It's a it's a reverse establishment.
4: Yes,
1: and I'm not going to be able to look at Lestat doing his thing without thinking you just you couldn't find anybody to flat share with, could you? Because they all hated you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: School
0: of Movies is funded by you lovely folks on Patreon and our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode so thank you to Joel Robinson Benjamin Biddle Abel Savard Michael Hasco, Connor Kennedy Brian Novak Evan Jankowski Sarah Montgomery Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson I've been saying John Clayson I am so, so sorry Johan Clayson Tyler Long Joe Gusega Greg Downing Tim Rosinski Christopher Wolfe Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Lux, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dachler, and Lorraine Chisham. And if you're at the $5 level on our Patreon then this week you'll be able to download and listen to our half-hour quick review of the 2012 musical Les Miserables. Here's a clip.
1: The drawback with that is that they are so keyed in with their previous roles that basically I was watching Wolverine try to hide Catwoman's child from Superman's dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who for some reason wouldn't stop singing at him. You cannot hide Catwoman's child from me, I am kal father. I have superpowers, because now we're on Earth! With the uh, new allegiances and old loves of the very end, because the the werewolves, sorry, werewolves come by and somehow it turns out Stuart didn't die and became a werewolf and was welcomed into their pack, He's kind of the conduit between the vampires and the werewolves, and there's these... It's this really heartwarming ending where they're just sort of laddishly hanging out together and teasing each other, but in a kind of... They're all lonely way, and, you know, they're better together, and that's something which I can't really get enough of. Yeah. So so the overall feel of the uh, film as we get to the end is that while this isolation and depression looms at all the time if you're a certain type of person... Being able to make those connections, to be able to get by and potentially get better, at least better than what you were, is always a possibility. It's not massively profound as an ending, but it's a lot more upbeat than most vampire films.
1: Mm, Yeah, and a lot more relatable as well. Yeah. In the sense that you get to... One of the things that I like about this kind of way of framing a story is that you get to combine the richness and the texture of metaphor with the easily connectable nature of real human drama Hmm.
0: so uh, ultimately that means that while there are certain vampire movies like martin which we'll talk about on our vampires kiss episode coming up soon folks there are certain vampire films where the vampires are very much humans who are kind of obsessed with the vampire lifestyle only lovers left alive hmm
1: which is very similar in tone to the hunger and i would put martin in that bracket as well yeah
0: we're going to do only lovers left alive at some point folks only lovers left alive is like the is the before sunset philosophical version of this film it's yeah. not a comedy but there are a few moments uh, that will make you smirk but it's uh, you know powerfully acted document of the wages of incredibly long life. Mm. That's your homework for this week, folks. Only Lovers Left Alive, a film nobody saw, directed by Jim Jaramush, who did much better with vampires than he did with zombies, starring Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. And I believe that should be enough to uh, to, to tempt you in there. Mm. But yeah, the vampire, I think like Batman has a versatility as a character type that will stand up to this kind of being exposed as somewhat ludicrous if you tried to transpose the gothic trappings into a mundane existence. But also you can do the the dark gothic Francis Ford Coppola version of Dracula where everything's very operatic. And there's a lot of vampire fiction that I really, really love. And this is way up there in terms of what, vampirism can tell us about the human condition more so than our fears of the other fears of what will happen to us so next week to conclude our commission season we are going to finish off with Arrival, starring amy adams and jeremy renner and that I suppose you've got double homework, folks, then, because we'll be doing Only Lovers Left Alive at some point, but definitely see Arrival first. That is not that is something which is really worth experiencing to then have us come and ponder. Yeah. because and
1: listening to the show before you see the film is really going to undermine a lot of what happens with yeah.
0: it. Yeah, best not to do too much homework before you see the film on Arrival. That's one to go in cold with. So... Okay, that's your first homework. Secondary subject: Only lovers left alive. So I've been Alex
1: Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And schools Ooh, Z- out. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Do you want to do that one again?
4: No, that's fine.
3: You to live long, they have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead and out of this world.
2: I uh, became a vampire when I was 16,
3: and that is why I always look 16. In those days, of course, life was tough for a 16-year-old. You'll never get a second chance, plan all your moves in advance. Stay dead, stay dead, stay dead, stay dead and out of this world. Vampires have had a pretty bad wreck. We're not these mopey old creatures who live in castles. And well some most of us are a lot, huh? But there are also those of us who like to flat together in really small countries like New Zealand. Don't ever talk with your eyes. Be sure that you compromise. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead.
2: You're dead and out of world. I was a Nazi
3: vampire.
2: After the war which the Nazis lost, I don't know if you know that the Nazis lost that war. If you were a Nazi after the war, and if you were a vampire, and if you were a Nazi vampire, no way, I was out of there.
3: Long gone, long gone, long gone, long gone, and out of this world. When you smile and it tears your face, it's time for the inhuman race. You're
4: down, you're down, you're down, you're down and out of this
3: world. Vampires can hypnotize people. I'm not really the best at it. You will not notice anything out of the ordinary.
1: No, we, we certainly hope not, let's
3: just, let's just keep going. They have to want to be hypnotised to convince someone to come back to your big scary castle, take off their clothes and to of lie like this. Uh, they've got to be a really open-minded type of person to do that. Gloria,